Hey there everybody, welcome aboard to the Football Weekly Podcast. So we are done with the quarterfinals of this year's European Championship, which means now we are in the business end of this competition. Today we are going to talk about Spain and their mighty escape against Switzerland. We are going to talk about Denmark's fairy tale run as they demolished Czech Republic by two goals to one in Baku. We will talk about England's emphatic win against Ukraine in Rome, some Copa America stuff, but we start in Munich in the Allianz Arena where Italy registered a 2-1 victory against Belgium. So a lot of pundits, a lot of journalists, a lot of uh, the big names in the world of football, they were actually thinking that this might be a potential final, uh, Belgium versus Italy, two big nations playing it out at Wembley. But, you know, to be honest with you, Belgium were not deserving to be in the quarterfinals because they weren't as good to play with against Portugal in the round of 16. And in all honesty, I thought Portugal deserved to take the game to extra time. But, you know, in a way that this is a very good result in terms of the justice has been served because Belgium didn't deserve to win this game. They were terrible. You might talk about Chiré Mobile and his diving and everything, but I think Italy were the superior side. They have been a class apart from everyone in this competition. They have been better than everyone. You talk about England, they have been miles ahead of England. I mean, England haven't conceded a goal yet, but, you know... We all know if Thomas Muller scores that goal, then it it turns out to an absolute circus. And who knows, Gareth Southgate might have just blew it away in the, in, in the latter stages of the game. So I think uh, England haven't been a good side. They have done their job, but they haven't been as good as Italy. They haven't been as prolific as Italy. They haven't been as strong as Italy. Uh, Italy have been, as I said, a class apart from everyone. They have just played at a level which we thought we might expect from Belgium. Belgium and their back line is a big, big conundrum to solve for Roberto Martinez. They haven't really solved it this tournament because they thought that Vertonghen could have done the job. They thought someone between Denier and Vermeulen could have done the job. They haven't. Toby Aldevaro, he's left with his old sort of uh, old all question marks. He he isn't a good defender sometimes, but some of the other times he does the job for his team. But you know, you you can't trust Toby Alderweireld because he isn't the star defender that you want in your golden generation. They have got a lot of talent going forward. I thought Jeremy Doku was easily the best player on the pitch, regardless of the Italian players or Belgian play. I don't care. Jeremy Doku for me was fantastic. It's a big big. Uh, statement from him on the biggest stage because he never had played on such a high level he has been fantastic in the recent months for his club side Ren uh, he was their record signing when they signed them from signed him from Anderlecht and I guess you know he has got the confidence now that he can play at a big level I thought that he should have been there in the first place instead of uh, Eden Hazard in that game against Portugal it might just look very good because he scared the holy Jesus out of the uh, Italian defenders and we all know you know G Giovanni Di Lorenzo is the fastest Italian defender playing on that side Bonucci is not good Chiellini is not fast I'm, I'm not saying not good he has been tremendous this uh, in this championship but he's not as fast as you might think Spinazzola we'll all talk about him but uh, Di Lorenzo, he got just picked up by Jeremy Doku on a couple of his runs. He was the guy who won that penalty, which I think 
was a penalty. A lot of people think that it was a dive, but it's the momentum that which with he, he runs at Giovanni Di Lorenzo and eventually beats him to that run. It was just a faint push, but due to his speed, due to his momentum, he falls down and it looks bad. And the referee points to the spot. I don't have any problem with it. And, you know, Romelu Lukaku, he's going to score. He's one of the hottest properties in Europe right now. And it's fair to say that he only does score. But again, you know, you have to look at the big picture here for Belgium. Kevin De Bruyne, without the ball in this game, was not good. The wingbacks for Belgium weren't as, as good as we thought they might be. I don't know why Torgan Hazard is so loved by Roberto Martin. I mean, it's it's a different thing to be loved. But but I think when you're not a very good left... He is not a left-footed player to be playing a left wing-back. So that you can understand that he is pulling out crosses, even if he's not good defensively. I think Yannick Carrasco should have been the proper choice at left wing-back because he's done a job for a team like Atletico Madrid in La Liga. He's a good player with the ball. He won't give you much offensive threats with the crosses, but he might do a very decent job defensively. That is the main concern for Belgium. Thomas Mounier was completely out of sorts. He had no answer for anything that was thrown at him. Insigne came on picking him. Uh, Spinazzola, for the time that he was on the pitch, he made life difficult for him. So I guess you know they should be very clever enough to know that Doma Munia isn't the realistic solution to their problems. You look at the back three in Vermalian and Vertonghen and Aldevarold, they've picked apart against Portugal. So what does that mean? You you have to change something. You have to be proactive. I know that they have been left with these options, but you have to be proactive. You know that Vermalian isn't the defender that he was, and that's the reason why he's playing at Whistle Cove. Uh, he is playing at Whistle Cove. I mean, again, no disrespect to the Japanese league, but it's not the European league where you have got a lot of competition. So, one, that they don't have a good defence. The midfield isn't strong as it used to be. I think Telemans, as I said in the last pod, he is a shadow of a player that he was at Leicester this season. Axel Witzel is coming off an injury and he isn't playing as well as Belgium wants him to play. Kevin De Bruyne, as I said, off the ball was horrible today, which is not the case when he plays with uh, with, with with Manchester City. Uh, he admitted in his press conference that he was feeling his uh, he was feeling pain in his legs since that before that first leg against Paris Saint Germain in the Champions League. Uh, when he was playing at Manchester City. So I guess, you know, that's something he should be... Roberto Martinez should have been very off, but again, you don't have many options. You know, Dries Mertens, you'd rather play with half-fit De Bruyne instead of Dries Mertens. You know, probably a same man would have thought like that. But again, I think a lot of questions to be asked defensively. They haven't been helped with a lot of injuries. Eden Hazard not been the player that Eden Hazard was. In the 2018 World Cup in Russia, hasn't helped either. Romelu Lukaku was the only player who was riding on form to a certain extent, along with Yuri Tielemans and Thibaut Courtois. But I, I think, you know, they have to be very much thorough in their selection of players when they go through. I think they need to have some very good players coming in defensively. Derek Boyata, I don't know if he's the, he's the answer to their problems. 
I mean, Hertha Berlin is a very good club, but are, are they going to keep on riding their luck with Derek Boyata? I don't know. Are they going to invest their problems, in, invest the solution of their problems in Jason Denier? He hasn't been the solution. He hasn't been prolific enough for his club side, Olympique Lyon. They have leaked a lot of goals this season. The manager in in total hasn't been successful with the club with with the group of players that he, as he was uh, the season before, and he's been sacked. Rudy Garcia. So it will be a big conundrum for Roberto Martinez and the Belgium national team to solve as the 2022 World Cup looms around. This was surely the last chance for guys like Vertonghen and Thomas Vermaelen. I think Oldevaro would be there. They need some very good players in the midfield. I think they have got good players in the midfield. I think uh, Hans Vanneken would be a very good player as uh, as the uh, time goes on. He will have a big move from Club Bruges as well. I think so. Uh, there is uh, Leandro Dendonkaro, who I think is a very good player. Witzel is a good player. He will stick around for some time now. I, I think the big concern for them is the defence. I think uh, Nasser Chadley might be one option who they are tempted to use. I don't know how much that makes sense. But enough of Belgium. We'll talk about Italy now. I thought Italy were fantastic and I expected a lot of uh, the uh, a, a lot of the pundits to actually choose Italy as their favourites as I choose them as my favourites. Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys would say that France were your number one team in the case study. And yeah, yeah you know, France were looking at the squad but Italy were number two and and I and I'm right now I, I think that Italy were fantastic in the entire tournament. I have been very much surprised by the consistency of Giorgio Chiellini who I thought might be a liability going into the tournament if Roberto Mancini does uh, tend to start him, which he has <laughs> again you know Spain is not going to trouble him. Morat. I mean, if if you look at the uh, matchup in the uh, semi-finals, who would have they thought that they would have played? You know, they wouldn't have liked to play against Harry Kane. Uh, Dolberg, yeah, he's inconsistent, but at the point at at this time, he's looking very menacing, and you won't want to play him because he's very fast. There's Mikkel Damsgaard and Martin Braithwaite as well. With all due respect, they are also fast and. Giorgio Chiellini, but again, they have got Morata to play in the semi-finals, a guy who they have known for a long time now. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the point, you know, they want him to be playing uh, against uh, against them, so, you know, that's, that's, that's a big plus point for them. They have been fantastic. Leonardo Spinazzola, I think he has been one of the top three players in this tournament, with all due respect, and I think he will be very much missed by Roberto Mancini. I don't know who's going to come in for them. Uh, maybe Emerson Palmieri. I mean, he is the obvious choice to play there. You can't chuck in Alessandro Florenzi. I know he's a same kind of a player. He's a right-footed player playing. Would have played left-back. I don't know. You know, they don't have Grifo. I, I don't know if they have Grifo in their squad. Uh, I just think they don't have him. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure that the guy who plays for the guy, the guy who plays for Freiburg. I mean, he, he he's a decent option, you know. You you can use him 
as your as as your on other option. Yeah, he's not in the squad. So, well, the, the they might be just tempted to get him into the squad. There is Rafael Deloy who can play that position somewhat, but I think Emerson is the logical option to uh, to intersect in that. I mean, Bastoni can play there. He's sort of a half left back, a proper left sided centre back, something like that. He could play there. Play Florenzi at right wing back, where he could be the guy who moves up and down the pitch. Uh, I, I think it's a big, big miss uh, for Italy that Spinazzola is going to be out. But again, the strong part hasn't been Spinazzola. The strong part has been the midfield, and the midfield were too good for Belgium on the day. I think Verratti, even after picking up that yellow card, fantastic, was fantastic the entire game. I thought Jorginho has been the second best player for Italy this in this campaign. I mean, how far is he from Spinazzola? But I think he's been fantastic. He has been so important, so crucial to their build-up going forward that you know he, he can't be replaced. I thought that Manuel Locatelli would take his place when Ferrati comes back but you know Locatelli is out of the equation and it's Jorginho Barella and Ferrati Ferrati is Ferrati I talked about Jorginho Jorginho Barella has been very very good he caught the goal as well this, this is a complete midfield and then again you've got Chiesa I thought Chiesa should be playing for again instead of Insigne and Berardi should be on the right hand side Berardi is a fantastic player I really love him uh, I love a lot of players from Sassuolo, Raspadori as well. But again, I, I, I guess this this is the right thing to do at this moment. Chiesa should be playing every game for Italy. He's just so special. I mean, Juventus have got a really big, nice gem in their hands. And, well, it's, it's, it's fantastic that they're having him as uh, the player for next season as well. He's... He's very much designated to play a very important role next season, but that's next season in for Juventus. But Italy has been really nice. He got the goal against Austria as well. He was fantastic. He does not give up on the ball. He just gives on trying, trying, trying. Such a very good finger, isn't he? Achiro Immobile, we all know that he does not score a lot of goals for Italy, but he's so prolific for Lazio. I think the goals will come, but the work rate that he does, the amount of... Amount of uh, work rate that he's been showing in this uh, European Championship is second to none and I think it's uh, it's very important to their team and Sigan got that goal, that was fantastic I still think Toby Aldevaro should get very much closer to him um, he, he completely uh, did a big fool of uh, uh, of Tom Amunia in the entire game I thought he was fantastic against Tom Amunia I, I, I really think Italy are the team to beat. Italy are really the team to beat. I just don't see any other team as good as Italy at this point in time. Not even England, not even Spain, not even Denmark. Denmark have been an exception, but again, I think uh, Spain and England are way off the level from Italy at this point in time. And I just think that if someone has to win the tournament right now, it is Italy. And if Italy don't win it, I'll be, I'll be very, very disappointed by Mancini. So from Bavaria, we move on to the Russian city of St. Petersburg, which witnessed the clash between Switzerland, who actually upset the tournament favourites France against Spain, which barely escaped against Croatia because Croatia had no defenders to defend in the last 30 minutes of the game. But albeit 
it was a very, very good game. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Again, it was dominated by a referee, referee's mistake, which shouldn't have been the case in a quarterfinals of a European Championship. And I, I thought that was a terrible mistake. The centre frame of Freuler, who had a terrific game in up till that point, Switzerland were riding on the momentum which they had got from that Shakiri goal, which, by the way, was assisted by Fremont Freuler. I think Spain were... Just, just, just forget about it. When I saw that press conference, when I heard what Luis Enrique saying, what Luis Enrique was saying that Spain were the better team, was the best team that he saw in the tournament. How can you tell that? I mean, Spain are so boring to watch. I mean, he's trying to integrate that style of play where they played with possession, which was back in uh, 2008 to 2012 in the glory days of Spain. And that's nowhere to be seen. That that was then and this is now. You have got different players. I don't know how this is going to bear fruit to you, but not playing Marcus Llorente in such a game. I know you're playing Pedro and Coque and Busquets. Busquets, by the way, is the main player. I don't I don't I don't care what the defence does. Well the defence has been terrible. Merrick Laporte has been terrible. He's playing Pau Torres and Pau Torres isn't the player that I thought that he would be the tournament. He is actually affected by the long season that he has had with Villarreal. I think uh, Jordi Alba, he is a suspect defensively. He's still a suspect defensively and he hasn't been tested because they haven't played a better team. So for yeah, they played Croatia, but they have shipped three goals against Croatia. They played Poland. They couldn't, they couldn't contain Poland. They couldn't win that game. They couldn't put away... A team like Sweden, which in all honesty should have won that game. Uh, they put five goals past Slovakia. And a lot of people say they put ten past two teams. Well, they shipped three goals against Croatia. And in a game which have, could have gone anyways. Andrei Kramaric scores that goal. It's, it becomes 3-4. And then, you know, you have... It's, it's your guess. Where does the... Where, where, where does this game stand then? And then you've got that big game against Slovakia where you had to win and then you beat Slovakia, albeit it's Slovakia. Still, Spain haven't been that good. I, it's just a miracle that they've come so far. They have been helped with a very kind draw to them because Switzerland beat France. And if they would have played France, it just plays into the hands of Didier Deschamps and his tactics because that's what France love to do. They allow them to... Uh, allowed the opponents to have the ball and they attacked them on the counter. I thought France were... I, I, I thought Spain are very predictable and I just don't see how they stand a chance against a team like Italy. They are terrible in terms of uh, the patterns that they play. It's just predictable. It's good when you watch it first time. It might be surprising if you haven't really seen Spain but you all know what are they going to do when they have to throw the kitchen sink there is Busquets who will take the ball he will give it to Pedri Pedri will play a pass to Jordi Alba and Jordi Alba will try to cross it that has been the theme of the Spanish side moreover to this that Morata isn't scoring goals I, I, I'm just sick and tired of watching, of, of 
of hearing everyone say that Spain have been fantastic, it's been a great success, they've come to the semi-finals. No! If, if you look at it, if you look at the hindsight, I just don't buy this extra time plan. I think that's ridiculous, given the season that everyone in Europe has had. It's been a congested one. You shouldn't have that extra time. You take a penalty shootout against Croatia, there's every chance that you might lose it. We saw how abysmal they are against Switzerland as well in the shootout. Uh, where again, I think Switzerland should have won that game. They deserve to win that game. Uh, I think uh, they really deserve to win that game. I thought they were terrible. Uh, Spain, in the way they conceded the goal, it was a misunderstanding. That, that shouldn't happen at this level. The boat tried to do the same thing. The boat didn't end up with the ball. Remo Freuler squares it down to uh, Jadon Shakiri, and that was a very cool finish. Uh, given the fact that a defender was coming in his way, he squeezed that through the through the gap of his back backside and his uh, and and the turf. It went in between them. It was a very good finish by Shakiri. But Spain, they have been so bad. I mean, you, you chuck off that things and penalty shootouts they won against they've taken two games at penalty shootouts frankly speaking they should have teared up that game against Croatia they can see two goals they should have not let Switzerland come in back into this game I just, I, I just don't I, I just don't see them winning this thing against Italy they are bad period I think Switzerland they should have been going through referee Michael Oliver I mean, just grow up, man. That's not a tackle. That That's not a tackle worthy of a red card. You straight away give it a red card. And you, you look at Remy Freuler's reaction. He's saying, no, 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 no. I mean, you, you just take a look at the monitor. I mean, Chris Kavanagh, you, you have to just advise him to, you know what? Come look at the monitor. And if you still think that it's a red card, just give it. But just take a look at the monitor. There's, there's a reason why Chris Kavanagh is at, in the VAR box. And... Michael Oliver is on the field. I mean, he's not a dude locked up inside a VR booth. You know, you need to go there and just have a look. Just, just have a, God, for God's sake, just have a look. And, and he did do that. I, I, I feel so sorry for Remer Freuler, given the fact that Granit Xhaka was not playing this game. It was very much dependent on Remer Freuler. I think the goal that Spain scored was a mere luck. It was straight in the hands of Jan Sommer. Zakaria tried to do something clever. It was a very unlucky deflection. It went into the back of the net. I think Zakaria tried to do his job. It was a very unlucky deflection, by the way. I'm sorry for Zakaria if the only one took that really, uh, <laughs> really badly. But I think it was a very unlucky deflection and it went into the back of the net. They, deserve, they didn't deserve the goal. They didn't deserve to win the game. I'm sorry. Switzerland should have won it. Fair and square. I mean, Spain are still in the semi-finals. I don't know, but I will be absolutely distraught if they go to the finals. I just don't see them having... They, they don't stand a chance against Italy. England versus Ukraine in Rome. Oh, wow, what a game. It was a fantastic game to watch, in all honesty. You know, England scoring the goal, then Pickford making a mistake, half a chance for the uh, Ukraine players, then Carl Walker getting up a bit too dizzy and he giving up the ball in a dangerous area. But I enjoyed this game. I'm very happy for Gareth Southgate to finally get something right. He didn't play a back three. He didn't play anything stupid. I thought that was something which is a positive for England at this moment. Again, as Spain, uh, they're not going to win this. I, I, I still think that it might be upset going into that game in Wembley. It 
it might just well be an upset. I think so. We'll talk about it later. But I thought that they were very confident going into this game. I thought they played a very decent brand of football. A good decision that he didn't play trippy at left back and play short and got that two assists. Three goals out of the four were headers. Uh, I thought that, again, it's something that we can talk about, discuss about, one from a set piece, one from a corner. The first goal, I thought that Harry Kane didn't expect the ball to go there. But due to some bizarre luck or something, he just went there, he just shot the ball and finished it very nicely. Uh, again, second goal, third goal, fourth goal. Jordan Henderson getting a goal as well. I just don't see the midfield formation being as good as you think. I think one between Phillips and Rice should be the should be on the playing field. You have to get in someone like Bellingham or a uh, or, or, or a proper midfield passer. Even if Jordan Henderson needs to play, can play him. But these two midfielders, they can't be playing together because it's more predictable. You being a lot more solid but you're not giving a lot more to your attackers you're not passing the ball regularly to the forward line Mason Mount I think he played a very good game so did Sancho Sterling Kane but it's mm. against it's 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 against Ukraine of all people yeah it's away from home but it's against Ukraine it was it, it, it was expected to it was always going to be a very one-sided game on paper I think uh, Yamalenko did everything that he could have done. So did Yaremchuk. Uh, they, they went to a back five with uh, Zinchenko playing as left wing back. was the only source of supply for them. I just think that it's a very decent way of getting into the group before that semi-final at Wembley. I thought that if Ukraine do get an upset, it would be the upset of the upsets in this tournament. And England would be just destroyed back home. I don't. I think a lot of the pundits will be very excited because they think that it's coming home. I don't think so. I think they have got a thirty percent chance of winning this. I don't give them more than that. Sixty percent to Italy, thirty to uh, not thirty. I, I give fifty to Italy, thirty to England, fifteen to Denmark, and just five percent to Spain. But again, I, I think it's been a tremendous ride up till now. We have to see how they play against Denmark. Ukraine were good. They've decent the entire tournament. It's very much known that they're going to play a certain way. And I think that might just play to the hands of Denmark, which we'll talk about. But I think they need something very different right now. I think Sancho's inclusion was brilliant. It did work out in the end. I think it should be more with Sancho at the field rather than somebody else, but I think they had a very good game, uh, the uh, the Englishman, and I, and, I, and I really think that if they get it to the final, we might have a very decent final to watch for ourselves, but I still think they're far away from winning the championship in the end. So we end the European chat with Denmark against Czech Republic, and well, this game was, this game had it all. Fantastic start from Denmark, to be fair. It was so one-sided at this start and Czech Republic have been very slow starters if you look at their games you know Scotland as well they were dominated for the first 15-20 minutes and then they got into the groove uh, got into the groove uh, you, you look at games against England as well against Croatia game against Netherlands as well they have been very good but they have been slow starters and they have they've fallen prey to this uh, fallen prey to this uh, habit of theirs and uh, 
I think Denmark Denmark deservedly won that game. And they were really, really fantastic in this uh, entire tournament leading up to this uh, uh, leading up to this clash. You know, Finland they lost that game, but again, it was a mistake from uh, Kasper Schmeichel and uh, all the uh, all, 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 everything that surrounded it. I thought they have been deserving winners. Uh, I think uh, in that game against Belgium as well, they gave them an almighty scare and were beaten by a individual brilliance from Kevin De Bruyne. They completely outclassed this uh, uh, Russian side, this tournament. They outclassed Wales. They outclassed Czech Republic now and they have got in the groove. The formation has been fantastic from Krasper Holman. It just plays into their hands. That formation, a three-four-two-one, a three-four-three to be to be precise. Joachim Myler has been one of the best left backs. This 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 has been a tournament where right-footed left backs have been so very good. Left backs or left wing backs who might just get somewhere around it. Uh, you look at Torgan Hazard. He got that brilliant goal against Portugal, albeit he has been terrible. Uh, you look at Leonardo Spinazzola, who's been the best player around in this tournament. You look at Joachim Meiler, who has been really, really good. He's good defensively, he's good going forward, he's very good going forward, in fact. The assist that he gave to that goal from Kasper but I think he had to do more with that run from Martin Braithwaite as well. He is a lot. He is that big reason because that goal has gone in because he attracts a defender. If two defenders go along with Dolberg, one out of them just whacks the ball out of the play and that goal does not happen. So I think uh, Kasper Dolberg also has to be uh, given the, uh, the, the... The goal also has to be given uh, credit to the run of uh, Martin Braithwaite. Uh, the first goal from Thomas Delaney, I think uh, no one expected Thomas Delaney, to, Thomas Delaney to score that header because he was unmarked. They have got very, very good players in aerial duels. The three centre-backs, you've got uh, guys like Casper uh, Dolberg, Hoybier is a very large guy. So five big, five, five big guys and then you've got Delaney who's popping up with a goal. So it's all good enough now. I think Daniel Vass will be playing in that right wing-back position when they go to Wembley. Um, I think that front three is functioning very well. Uh, Dan Mikkel Damsgaard, he has been trem tremendous. And, well, he is playing on a different level since uh, he's been integrated into the squad. And I believe that he will be having a very huge role to play in that game against England. They have got a tremendous player like Martin Braithwaite who hasn't been showing up his skills a lot more, but he is very integral to this part of the, to to this Danish side. He to, to the runs that he makes, the ball carrying that he does on a very different occasions. He's a difficult player to play alongside. He's not the best around the pitch, but he's very very intelligent. He's very important to the Danish side. You look at Yusuf Paulsen coming uh, at the end and just giving them a big boost. Uh, around, just giving a pat to the backside. You look at Matthias Janssen, who came into the school, in, in, into the starting, into the uh, onto the pitch uh, after half time, and he looked. And, and I have been a big fan of Matthias Janssen. I'm really looking forward to see him with Brentford. He's got such a good delivery. He's got such a good pass. He's got good feet. He's got that really, really good sense of management. He looks at the game so well. I'm really fascinated to see him at the Premier League at the big stage uh, going into the tournament. 
a tremendous fairy tale run for them. I think Srigalasan as well in the last two games has been brilliant, but I think Daniel Wash should be playing at right wing back, which is a position that he has inherited from a long time at playing for the uh, Danish side now. Um, I, I just think that it's fitting that they play with these players which have been giving them a lot more for this uh, for, for, for this big time now and it's very fitting that it becomes an upset as for Czech Republic they have been very good I think Patrick Schick was not as good he got that goal it was a very good finish but he got that goal I, I still think Suchek was helpless I thought Holish was completely in the pockets uh, this time around he didn't have the freedom to move around he had a big chance but it was quite late to actually just push that into the uh, in, 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 into goal it was very well smothered by Kasper Schmeichel uh, I thought the back four was kind of suspect and it came out to be uh, you know it's, it's been a good tournament it's been good to watch Czech Republic get to the quarterfinals of this of this championship uh, so we are now left with uh, the final four teams you all know who I am actually backing to win the Italy versus Spain game the second game between Denmark and uh, England I just I, I don't know why I feel like it's going to be an upset I think Denmark go through I don't know why just Denmark go through on paper England should win it and I won't be surprised if England win it but I won't be surprised even if Denmark win it I I just think that it's going to be upset. The back three of Denmark is very, very good. They're bankable players. Simon Kier, Christensen, Vestergaard. They're seasoned players for their clubs. You know, West Christensen has been there for a long time with Chelsea. Simon Kier is the leader, full stop, at, at, at Milan. You look at Yannick Vestergaard, one of the most sought-out defenders in Europe right now. He's got one year left on his deal. What is he going to do after this Euros? Is he going to stay with Southampton? He's a very good player. What happens with him is going to be a question mark. So, really nice players around. I don't know what's going to happen. But I think in Denmark winning just, just in extra time by two goals to one. As for the Copa America, we had uh, Brazil advancing to the finals today. They played that game against Peru. It was a 1-0 victory for uh, the Brazilians, as Lucas Paqueta scored the only goal, uh, Neymar with a fantastic assist. Uh, again, uh, he, he has been the cornerstone of this uh, Brazilian side, and he's been so integral for them to play. I think uh, Peru has had a fantastic season, it was a repeat of the last uh, Copa America finals, and they played a fantastic game. I think uh, it's been really, really nice to see Lapadula play. I think he was really nice in this tournament, the entire tournament he's played. Uh, the goalkeeper uh, Pedro Galesi, who's uh, had a tremendous city, the uh, tremendous uh, tournament with Peru, plays for Orlando City in MLS. He has been really good as well. Uh, Brazil went on and they won that game, but it was far from the uh, what do you say the expected urgency or what you say you know it's it was far away from uh, the expected what do you say, the comfortness that Brazil has always while playing in Copa America. They haven't had two good games, one against Chile and this one against Peru. They have got the job done, so they will now be in the finals and they will play one between Argentina and Colombia. Argentina have been really, really good. Their last win against uh, 
Ecuador showed that they have got a really nice they have got a really nice environment around them now. Uh, they don't have James Rodriguez in this uh, uh, in, 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 in the squad. They don't have James Rodriguez to play here. They won't be having Matheus Uribe as well, who I think is a very important player. No Jefferson Larma from uh, uh, Bournemouth as well. So it's, it's, it's going to be a bit difficult for them. Argentina will be missing Christian Romero, who's by far their best defender. Who knows what's in store for this, but I think Argentina will go through and we'll have the classic between Argentina and Brazil in the finals of the Copa America when these, uh, when, when, when these two teams uh, meet, when, when, when these two teams meet in the final, which will be on the 11th of, uh, uh, 11th of June, well, to be precise, 10th of June, if we see the American timings. So that's it for today. Be sure to tune into my instagram channel it's weeklypod.xd w-e-e-k-l-y-p-o-d.xd you can send your queries your questions down there you can have any sort of chat you want to have with me over there uh, you can also uh, see if you can have uh, your favorite podcast app to actually uh, tune into my podcast as well so until then it's until next time it's goodbye from me uh, take care of your families, take care of yourself and make sure you enjoy football. This was your host, Mayuresh Matkar. Thank you very much.